Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. Hey you, have you ever wondered if you're finally going to get over this impatience thing in your homeschool, that you're actually going to be entirely patient Well, I think that's an unrealistic expectation, and I am the queen of unrealistic homeschool expectations, so I would know. I wish I could tell you that I have no way to identify with this discussion today, that I actually have never felt impatient with my kids, but still do. After almost 21 years of parenting and 15 or so years of homeschooling, I have a hard time deciding which discussion to share with you. (laughs) about my impatience, because I'm pretty good at being impatient. I remember early on trying to teach my kids times tables, and I expected that they'd get these math facts quickly, and most of them seemed to. But even the kids that did seem to pick it up quickly didn't seem to keep it quickly. Like, they didn't keep it in their heads for a long period of time. And I wondered, Is this ever going to happen? Will they ever fully learn their times tables? Well, to say that that was unrealistic expectation, I mean, it took me years myself to get my times tables and to have them fully locked and loaded in my head, ready to go. And I will confess that I was full on double digits and a parent at the time when I finally had all the basics of my times tables memorized. So... What an unrealistic expectation it is of my own kids, right? Well, math facts and the expectation to have them all memorized before you're out of, I don't know, grade three or so is definitely one of many unrealistic expectations I've had in my homeschool. But before we get started on a discussion about impatience, I want to first invite you to the Homeschool Mama Book Club. It'll be an hour and a half to connect with other homeschool moms and choosing intentionally how we show up in our homeschools. And I'm so looking forward to sharing this time with you. It's a time that I really do get to connect with you and be able to build on the different aspects that actually do help us to show up on purpose in our homeschools. I also want to share some kind words from Marissa. She shared with me that working together last summer was immeasurably helpful to her, not only in how she approaches homeschooling, but also how she approaches life. I have so enjoyed getting to know Marissa and learning more about her family, her new homeschool family, encouraging her to walk in this homeschool path in a way that really does work for her and for her homeschooled kids. I'd love to have a conversation with you too. If you have a thought or a question, you can always leave me a voice message on this podcast post. Or if you're interested in having a homeschool mom walk alongside you to dig deep and explore some of your homeschool challenges, you can find me there too. Today's episode is sponsored by the Homeschool Mama Retreat. This retreat offers nurturing for the nurturer. 
It's a four-week homeschool mama mentoring program that includes an option of four special times for me and you to connect and try to create a plan that will include you and help you show up on purpose in your homeschool and be confident, clear, and have a vision in your homeschool. So what's been happening in your homeschool? If you want to share, you can jump over to that show notes page and share a message on the SpeakPipe app, and I'll include it in the next podcast episode. So this is what's been happening in my homeschool. Tis the season of short days, snowfalls that require candlelight, not necessarily going to have electricity in the house because trees fall when there are a lot of snow and the trees in these mountains fall on electric lines. So we have candlelight and fires in the fireplace as the wet snow continues to dump onto our mountain river homestead. But just in time for my birthday tomorrow, my husband and son put together the wood-burning hot tub. A wood-burning hot tub? How cool is that? Would I substitute a half day of formal studies so my 13-year-old can learn about plumbing and fire stoves and water treatment? You know I would. And also, it's a wood-burning hot tub. So cool. I absolutely love this pre-birthday celebration. From one homeschool mama to another, if you want to do this homeschool thing over the long term, I encourage you to take care of yourself. This is what I've been doing to take care of me. So I've been doing more intentional, mindful eating because my habit in the evening is to eat dark chocolate, but a little bit too much dark chocolate. So I'm trying to pay attention to when I'm eating what I'm eating How much do I really need to eat? Also, I've kicked up my exercise workouts in the week. I actually tried kickboxing last week on a very simple video on YouTube called Pop Sugar Fitness. Kickboxing and an almost (laughs) 48-year-old. My kids giggle, but I'm loving it. I feel stronger, also achier. I'm getting my vitamin D and getting outside an awful lot which is really useful in these overcast, dark, dreary months. But what really was helpful when I woke up one morning, it was overcast and snowing and blah. I don't know if it's like that in your part of the world, but I had a wicked headache. And from someone that doesn't usually have a lot of headaches, it was not pleasant. So first thing I did, got a cup of tea and then a coffee and then my peppermint rollerball and rubbed it on the back of my head rubbed it all over my head, and within 20 minutes, the headache was gone. I'm not going to cut out chocolate altogether. You should know that. I love me some good lint sea salt dark chocolate. And tomorrow, for my birthday, I'm going to love me a nice chocolate croissant and raspberries for breakfast. And in the afternoon, I'll be doing something that we homeschool mamas know all about, right? Manicures? No? Yeah, me neither. But tomorrow afternoon, my daughter and I are going to go shopping and get manicures and maybe a chocolate caramel tart from a favorite local bakery. More chocolate. I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to celebrate big. Hey, and I want to share a practical thing from my homeschool. A little show and tell, per se. What I've been using in my homeschool. Alongside books, because you know I read a lot of books and I love books and we're homeschool moms so we all love reading books. I'm presently reading The Swiss Family Robinson with my son, which is interesting because it is a very interesting book and also I'm not sure it could be published in our day. But also there's a book called Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga which really helps me understand what it'd be like 
through the eyes of a teenage Syrian refugee coming to America. So such an interesting read. But when I'm doing these books in the morning, I set aside about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so where just my son and I sit with, you know, the early morning light, cozy blankets, and we're just sitting with our reading. If he wants to do Legos or drawing, I'm good with that. But then sometimes I want a break myself and I want to do a little yoga on the mat. So I'll ask him to do the reading. And it's useful because, I mean, my kiddo, this particular kiddo is a prolific reader, but I've used this technique with all my kids. I just really am asking them to read partly because I do indeed want to do yoga, but also because I want to hear how they're reading and how comfortable they're reading and at what level of reading they're capable of doing. So I find that a really useful technique in my homeschool to get them to read to me. So what is your experience with impatience in your homeschool? Any chance you've had one? I think this discussion is going to be widely received and I am most interested in hearing your feedback. So let me know what you think. So let's go. How to manage your expectations so you can enjoy your homeschool. I have pretty high expectations of my homeschool. I've always had high expectations. And I've had high expectations of myself too. And I know it. I've learned I'm not alone. I have yet to meet a homeschool mom that doesn't feel challenged by unrealistic expectations, especially the unrealistic expectation of being patient. I've learned to maintain my high expectations but hold them lowly. But what are some of my unrealistic expectations? Oh, to expect that when I ask for something to get put away, it should get put away right now. To expect that because I'm home often, my home will stay clean. To expect that the kids will enjoy everything I plan in our homeschool. To expect that my kids will have off-the-charts SAT scores because we homeschool. To expect that I will enjoy being with my kids all the time. To expect that my kids will enjoy being with me all the time. To expect that I would find ultimate satisfaction in being a homeschool mom. To expect that when I suggest we begin studies in the morning, I want us to actually head to the great room for read-alouds. To expect that I will be patient at all times. Or when I've told the kids not to eat the salami for pizza night only, thank you, that it actually doesn't get eaten. But the salami was eaten. So I expect that it won't get eaten, but I know that it might get eaten, so I don't lose my mind when it does get eaten. I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow. I've had plenty of comments over the years suggesting I'm patient. Honestly, that comment confounds me, and I am not exaggerating. And I'm really sure my children would also be confounded. They would likely be even more incredulous as they know that when I expect them to follow through with something, I really do expect it the first time. My goal still remains to hold to my high expectations until I discover they're unrealistic, which it seems to me I continuously do. But I try to hold my expectations lowly. Wouldn't you agree that homeschooling enables a lot of practice in patience in all sorts of ways?
I've had lots of practice not to be scoldy. You know, scolding constantly. Scoldy. And I'm still learning. I've had lots of practice not to yell, especially in the first couple of years of homeschooling. Sometimes I'm still learning that on occasion. I've had lots of practice not to get frustrated when a child doesn't want to do something fun I've planned. I've had lots of practice not to get overwhelmed when the house is a mess, dirty, or just disorganized. I'm reminded how not patient I am when non-homeschoolers comment, I couldn't possibly homeschool. I sometimes respond honestly by saying, yeah, me neither. And I'm not joking because some days I did indeed fantasize about the big yellow school bus stopping by my door, knocking on my door, and requesting the honor of my children's presence. Patience is the ability to slowly respond with intention when under the presence of challenging behaviors. Here's what I've learned about practicing patience. One, you need to identify your triggers. I am typically quick to be annoyed when one child treats another with unkindness, which tells you that I have had many opportunities to practice. Disrespect of all sorts triggers me. To identify our struggles in understanding others, we need to identify our unique triggers and preconceptions about life and people and this scenario right ahead of us. To understand why we think as we do, we need to actually analyze the internal conversations going on in our heads while we're also possibly having conversations with real human beings outside of our heads. Two, I need to understand myself. Personality profile systems like Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram have helped me understand a lot about my kids' strengths and challenges, how they're internally motivated, and how to encourage them towards stronger relationship skills. It's also helped me learn how to enable stronger relationship skills as well. When I identify what energizes me and what drains me, it makes me more effective, more connectable, and more content. When I understand myself, understand my natural strengths, my natural challenges, I continue to relate increasingly smoothly. Three, I need to understand my kids. What I've learned about my kids, I've had to learn that my kids don't always process or work as quickly as I do when given a list of to-dos. Surprise, (laughs) no surprise. And yet somehow, Because they're with me, I often think that they're capable of doing exactly what I'm capable of doing. I've learned that my kids don't always learn math concepts as quickly as I explain them. I've learned some of them can keep fewer things in their heads when given directions. What I need to learn about my kids, and what you might need to learn about yours, is that We need to learn the dynamics that are at play between them and their siblings when you're not in the room to understand the relational dynamics between the siblings. We need to learn the dynamics when they're with new people or friends or other family members. We need to learn what they need, and they might not even know what they need. 
we need to learn their emotional climates. What are the things that affect them or trigger them or what are their natural resting emotional states? We need to learn who has strong traits in different areas and watch how they help each other or not help each other, which seems more obvious to identify. Understanding our kids is a building block to building patience with our kids. The fourth thing, I need to observe my family members objectively. I need to look at my family members through a grid of objectivity, which is obviously kind of challenging. They're not different from me because they're trying to make my life difficult. They're just different. That concept took me years to understand. I'll repeat it. They are not different from me because they're trying to make my life difficult. They are just different. They are not trying to challenge me in the ways I choose to do things. They just do things differently. And the fifth thought in how I can be more patient. I need to understand the specific scenario. I need to get curious about the specific scenario. I can ask questions, but don't make assumptions. Patience is choosing the best response to a situation with understanding. And by the way, not making assumptions, that is not my strong suit either. We all naturally default to understanding the world through our own experience, but it turns out our own experience isn't the only experience. Understanding someone is the goal of a relationship. Understanding forges a connection. Understanding sometimes takes a long time. This is one of the basic building blocks to our healthy relationships with our kids. But can it be challenging? You know it too, right? Since we only see others through the grid of our understanding, learning to see others through their own eyes can be so difficult. Patience sounds like a demanding word that requires our full physical strength and emotional attention. And probably it does. But when understanding is built, patience comes right along with it. Impatient feelings arise, though. So what do we do when we feel impatient? Well, first I'd say, don't judge your impatience. Be kind to yourself. You have learned a ton as a parent. You're still learning today. You'll actually always be learning. Let me know when you've reached the God-sized patience that we all think that we should be, because I would like to meet you, you homeschool mama, who has that immense patience that we all aspire to. Until then, remind yourself, we are all learning. The second thing that I encourage you to do if you have those impatient feelings that arise in you is to practice presence, that mindfulness thing again. Mindfulness is my new mantra because it helps us identify what's happening in our interior world so we can respond on purpose in our exterior world. Spend daily moments listening to yourself. When we practice presence, when we sit, when we focus on our breath or our breathing, and just sit, just be, we find a profound therapy definitely the cheapest therapy. 
Once upon a time, I would have thought it was the hokiest therapy. But if you haven't tried your vegetables, how do you know whether you like them or not? So might I encourage you to try your mindfulness vegetables and practice presence. Practice being present in everything that you're doing. The third thing I encourage you to do when you have impatient feelings arise is to acknowledge your feelings and identify why your feelings are presently present. For reasons that still confound me, the mere act of acknowledging feelings often dissipates their intensity. Once we come to accept that we feel things, comfortable and uncomfortable things, triggered by things that we may or may not want to be triggered by, we can allow them to rise to the surface, accept them in all that they are, in their struggle, in the beauty, in their honesty, just accept The fourth thing I encourage you to do with your impatient feelings when they arise is to observe yourself. Why do you feel what you feel? Why does it get under your skin that your kid will not grasp this math concept? Sometimes it's purely because we need to learn about learning, how kids process concepts. But sometimes our expectations might be wildly unrealistic. But why? Or perhaps we assume the worst and futurize. She won't sit down and apply herself. She will never learn. Or you want to make sure that when grandma asks about math, your child sounds like she's at the same level as her same-aged peers. So many possibilities why something might affect us. So why do you feel what you feel? The fifth thing that you can do when impatient feelings arise, is observe your reaction. Identify what you might say. How do you want to respond to that thing? And how do you actually respond? If you have ever had a moment that you said, or at least have thought, I've told you a thousand times, then it's probably 998 times past the point that you could have visualized that scenario, like recreated that scenario in your mind, and intentionally planned another way to respond to it. Oh, by the way, I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. I know this to be true in my own world. And I've learned that the reason we continue to do the same thing over and over, the way that we don't want to show up, in our homeschool and react to that thing again is because it's working for us. Somehow, some way, our instinctive reaction to that scenario is working for us. Spend a lot of time observing your reactions. Why are you doing or responding in the way that you are? And what might be another way to engage it? Another way to proactively address your impatient feelings is to recognize that feelings are transient. Your feelings, they pass like weather systems. They come, they go, sometimes they're predictable, sometimes they're not. But your emotional climate always exists. The climate of our souls is never non-existence. There is always an emotional climate and feelings are transient. 
Also, be proactive in your prevention. Anticipate the impatient moments. You're trying to work on a project, like finishing the kid's scrapbook. Does anybody scrapbook anymore? Or embroidering a pillowcase? Anybody embroidering? Or writing a book? You need your full mental attention for your activity. Interruptions blow your creative energy. Plus, you've been with your kid all morning. But you homeschool. You have kids. Because you're right there, they will interrupt. Unless you've taught them not to. So you need to teach boundaries in specific scenarios. And also expect to teach boundaries on repeat. Proactively prevent an anticipated scenario that you see on repeat. If you know that that thing, that scenario, that story is happening every day, then plan for it. Expect it. Another thing that you can do when you are feeling impatient is to diffuse your tension. Expect that there are many moments that you hadn't been proactively planning. Life is like that. So much to learn. No end to learning. Regularly diffuse your tension with short bursts of robust activity, like a walk around the block, or 10 minutes on the elliptical right after lunch is served, or dance breaks at lunchtime or in the afternoon. Jump on the treadmill, run the dog up and down the driveway. Find something you like to do and get moving. Those endorphins are your patient's facilitators. And breathe, breathe, and breathe again. I know you don't need to be told to breathe. If you're alive, you're doing it without intention. Slow, deep breaths, though, that slow your respiratory and cardiac systems, which slow your fight-or-flight reactions, which release endorphins, even relieving aches and pains, that slow, intentional breathing. You have to build in moments in the day to practice that. Might I suggest building in an alarm on your phone or a real old-fashioned alarm clock to remind you to breathe? Another approach to dealing with your impatient feelings is also um, to teach your kids mindfulness and YouTube. During your morning circle time or your read-aloud time or the time you gather in the morning, practice patience-building exercises like doing loving-kindness meditations, which you can find on YouTube. Maybe a two-minute loving-kindness meditation, three-minute. Get the kids into a practice of sitting as well. Or quiet, prolonged prayers of goodness towards others. It's the same thing. Or deep breathing exercises. So, you know, there's no overnight miracle transition from sibling rivalry to Buddhist, yogic, retreat, zen, found in daily mindfulness practice. These are children. They are not going to have miraculous transitions overnight. Just lifelong patience-boosting practices that will facilitate greater internal skill for them and you for a lifetime. Another thing that you can do to deal with those impatient moments is to interrupt your internal narrative. When you feel impatient, stop. Take a deep breath. Ask yourself what's getting to you right now. Sometimes that means you have to literally walk away. If you know that your approach to a certain scenario is 
not healthy. Then trying to manage what you're going to say next when you are accustomed to saying things you shouldn't have been saying or engaging things in a way that you know you shouldn't be engaging, it would just be better for you to walk away. Go look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what is getting to you right now? Why do you feel impatient? This is your opportunity to reframe that narrative, the story that you're telling. What is the story that you're telling yourself that has you all riled up? Is the story true? Usually, it's not 100% true. Could there be a different perspective? If you could speak to someone else and give them a snapshot of what's happening, might they have a slightly alternate perspective on what you're seeing? Usually the case is yes, because we all do not see things precisely the same way. Now, if that be the case and that things aren't happening the way that you would think they really are, that it really isn't all true the way you're seeing it, if it be the case that how you're framing it or seeing it isn't fully true, that maybe there could be another explanation for the child's behavior or for the scenario as it's playing out, Perhaps you could approach it from a different perspective and therefore we'll definitely get a different reaction or response over the long run because how we see things influences how we engage in something and how we engage in something influences how someone else engages in something and the outcome will be different. So you could brainstorm five possible outcomes What possible ways could you respond? One of them might arise as the best choice, or at least it can be the present experimental choice. Your opinion of that choice might change over time as you practice it. But right now, what is the best choice? And you can use your best self-patience practice. What do I mean by that? Practicing patience on my best days, conjuring my best self, I stop mid-sentence, I walk to my room, I lay on my yoga mat, and I practice deep breathing exercises, or I walk up and down the driveway, or I sit with a soothing guided meditation, and then I intentionally come back to that scenario instead of reacting. That is my best self-patience practice. It's my goal. It's the way that I'm thinking would be the most ideal way to engage in a challenge. What do you think is the best way of engaging impatience for yourself and for your homeschooled kids? And then you get to decide, are you going to act from your best self? Do the thing that you know is the best thing to do. Okay, easier said than done. I know it too. The best self-choice The thing you know is the best thing to do is not necessarily the thing you actually feel like doing instinctively. It takes practice. Practice, practice, practice. Caveat. If you don't choose the best approach this time, don't worry about it. You will get tomorrow to try again. Or possibly five minutes from now. I'd love to hear from you if you have other ideas in how you can engage your impatience in your homeschool. 
If you want to begin a discussion with me about unrealistic expectations or how to handle your impatience in your homeschool, you can head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com and connect with me there. And thank you for joining me today. You can find all sorts of free resources on my website, capturingthecharmedlife.com. You can download a free Homeschool Mama Daily Affirmations to start your morning right, a grappling with overwhelm checklist, and I think the most important self-care strategy is a checklist to address your big emotions. All the show notes and links to this episode will be found at that website, capturingthecharmedlife.com. Subscribe to this podcast to learn more about how to take care of you while you're taking care of your homeschooled kids. If you can think of another homeschool parent who would be encouraged by these discussions, let them know too. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. Or if you're having one of those weeks, I hope you can reframe your challenges and turn them into your homeschool charms.